Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I don't know about you, but it was easy to worship God today with sun. I have to admit, <laughs> there's some challenges in the dark, cloudy, you know, gray days. But when you look out and you see, when you see the mountain and the beauty of God, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. I don't know if you, today you're able to see that or the other day, a few days there, we had some clear, beautiful days of looking at Mount Baker. And I'm biased because I, I grew up here, but I would say that Mount Baker is the most beautiful mountain in the world. How many would agree with me on that? Is there anybody here? A few people? Okay, not as many as the first service. So um, you must have came from somewhere else. Uh, my, my wife did, actually. She's transplanted all the way from Tacoma, Washington. And, uh, and, and people down there, they think that Mount Rainier is the best mountain in, in the world. And so, well, you know... Um, it, 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 it's, 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 it's its own way, it's beauty. It's massive, right? It's like this alien, you know, ship that lands when you see it in a clear day. I don't know about you. I think Baker has just a beauty about it. And I think it calls you sometimes, doesn't it? Baker, you're like, I got to be up there and, you know, and what, you know, you might be a snowboarder or skier and you, you're an avid snowboarder skier and, the, and you're not here because you're up there today probably. Uh, but I love, I love hiking and taking, most of the time taking day hikes. But I, I remember there was a hike that a group of us did when I was in high school. We, we went, and my youth pastor time, he, he was really into hiking. Like, he would want to do all these hiking trips and everything. He was, Scott was avid hiker and always prepared. But the problem was he didn't really prepare us. And so he didn't really tell us exactly what to pack, except, hey, we're going to go do this hike. And so, you know, some of us just didn't, haven't done a whole lot of it. And and, and so, you know, I have, I have evidence of how we probably ill-prepared. Take, take a look at this picture here. Uh, that's us right there. That is, that is me in the pink Garfield <laughs> shirt, yellow sunglasses. And I don't know what kind of statement I was trying to make back then, but it was 1989, okay? Um, and also, and if you look very, very closely at the picture, uh, you will see, what is it? A fanny pack. A fanny pack. Yes, I had one of those. I actually own two fanny packs. I switched them out in certain days of the week. Um, and so, <laughs> so here's the thing. We, we had a great hike, but not all of us were really, really prepared for this hike. Okay? And if I point out this picture is because there's a boy sitting down in the back of the picture there. He's got his hand on his, his arm on his leg. That's Brandon. Okay, most of the time that was Brandon on the hike, sitting, he was wiped out. He couldn't go any further. He was not that bad out of shape. We couldn't figure out, Brandon was always, had to wait for Brandon, we had to wait for Brandon. And come to find, you know, we got to a break and finally says, dude, what do you got in your backpack, right? So he, we, we look in there and there's like, again, this is a, this, this is a two day, one night hike. First of all, he had a mini boom box. You know what, Boombox was radio before, you know, before we even had like, you know, iPhones, right? And iBuds. He, he had this 
radio system going on. Then he had a solar shower. Do you need to take a shower? It's only one night. I think you could survive. He had like 10 potatoes. Potatoes. The carrium. Then he had then he had like a Costco box of candy bars. I'm like, dude, you didn't care. So we everybody took a potato, somebody carried his boom box, and we all had a candy bar on the break, okay? To help the help the guy out. Lighten the load a little bit. You know, I think in life, as I was, found that old picture, I, I was just thinking like that's so much, it, it, you know, hiking, tr- trails, the rugged road is so much a metaphor of our life, isn't it? And the reality is we don't always know, it, as much as we want to kind of know where we're going, you don't always know what we're going to face. We don't know how the, r- rough the road's going to be one day. We don't know how steep the climb is going to be one day. But what we can do, we can do is prepare for that hike, that rugged road, the struggles, the challenges, the pain we go through life. And the reality is many times when we're not prepared, it can be very, very devastating. Now this last week, there's, I don't know, I'm sure there's a lot of rhetoric. I've heard it on the news and all what should have happened and guns and safety and schools and all that goes on, right? There's a lot all going on. But the reality is, is being prepared in life. And how important it is to prepare for whatever we face and whatever is in our way. You know, as I look back on that picture, I think of my life and all the rugged seasons I've gone through since then. And the issue for me at times was I just wasn't prepared. And the irony of it is there's times in your life it's the same thing. And I I think when I mention the irony is that We have a lot of stuff, just like Brandon, he brought a lot of stuff, but it wasn't the right stuff. (laughs) And his excess, he he was missing the essentials. And I think in our American culture, it's the same way, where we can get just caught up in the stuff that we have, and we have access to everything we really want, but we really are in lack of what we really need. And then ironic, the excess that we have, and many times, we're still feeling ill-prepared in our lives. We live in this world of abundance, but we act like we live in the land of lack. We have two of everything, and yet we struggle. Now, why is that? What's happening? Well, first is this, is that, that uh, there's certain things that you, 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 you can't get that Costco doesn't carry, and Amazon doesn't deliver. You can't just drop in your card or click on a screen, a great marriage, a, a good parent, a good, being a good parent or overcoming addiction or having healthy outlook of life or finding peace or hope and security and friendship or inner strength. You can't buy that stuff in your life. Now, you can, there's things that can help you, aid you along toward it, but it will never, ever bring fulfillment. In fact, many times we can actually feel more emptiness after we have everything we think we need. Because at some point when you get everything you want, you discover you're still lacking what you really, truly need. In fact, the things that we look for can become quick fixes, easy answers. They end up being more of a burden than a blessing. And it's a terrible thing when you're on the trail, when you have a lot of stuff, but you don't have the right stuff. You know, you're not carrying the essentials. That can affect your survival, and it definitely can affect you trying to reach the goal, to reach the summit that you're shooting for. Here's a question, it's kind of an obvious one today, is what, what essentials do we need to pack for life's journey? What essentials do you need to pack? What do you need to make sure you have? If, if You don't want to have too much, but you don't want to have too little. How do we make sure that we not just survive, 
But define success. And I want to tell you, it's nothing wrong with shooting for success. Nothing wrong. I think we kind of sometimes have been living in an age a little bit where goals seem kind of like too aggressive or too, too uh, uh, you know, like too selfish. Well, they can be. If the goal, what you're trying to do is for, to, to, to uh, have what you want and what you need. But the reality is God has placed goals and dreams and desires in our heart that he really does, does want to see fulfilled. He really wants us to use our full potential. He really does want us to reach the summits that he's called us to in life. But how do we do that? How do we reach him? Well, God is the one that gives, give us, has, has the answer for us. If he's given it to us as a dream, he's going to help us see it fulfilled. And as followers of Jesus, you need to recognize if you're, you're a follower of Christ, that God promises to provide everything we need, everything we need, not just to make it, but to get to the, the goal and the destination he has for us. The key is tapping into his divine power every day of our lives. This last week, we introduced a, our teaching series, Everything We Need, with a wonderful woman named Natalia. And if you were not here last week, sorry, you missed out. Okay? Well, you can listen to it online. And there's a good thing. You go to ctka.church. You can click on uh, North Bay. But you, I honestly, you do want to go back. If you missed it, you want to hear Natalia's story. It's a story of miracle, it's a, miracles. It's a story of just incredible inspiration. But Natalia challenged us, didn't she? She said many things of her story and her life. There's one thing that stood out for me over and over this week that really affected her. I think it was incredibly profound. She, she had said this. She, she says this. She said, I have an advantage. I can't hide my disability, but you can. Here she is, of all people, who at times, many times needs help getting around. Sometimes needs a wheelchair. She says she has the advantage. And I think it's, it's, it's incredibly profound because us who are normal walking to talking type of people realize that we can really compensate for ourselves of the inner emotional disabilities and struggles we have here. We can hide it. We can compensate for it. We can try to cope with it. But at some point, our pack gets too heavy because we got the wrong stuff we're packing. I don't know if you ever heard this before, but people stuff their stuff. Whatever emotional baggage, whatever issues you have, whatever disabilities, and we try to push them down and suppress them. But at some point, it gets too heavy. At some point, the burden is too much, and we're thinking, man, can I even make it? This is getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and we find ourselves lagging behind those that we're trying, you know, the, the places God, we sense God wants us to take, and somehow we've got to deal with the stuff behind. But I want to tell you today, this message isn't about getting rid of the baggage, it's actually about what we should be putting in our life. And we'll talk about it. And here's the thing. God has, the promise is this, that God has given us everything we need. See, the one that created us, bled for us, and died for us has given everything, everything we need. And, and our, our key scripture that Natalia introduced us to last week is 2 Peter 1.3. And it says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. I'm going to camp on that for a little bit. And then we're going to take it a little bit further of what God wants to say to us and believe for us here today. Now, when we read that, let's be honest, okay? 
let's be honest. Everything? Really? I mean, let's just, let's just really think about it. When you see that, that, it almost sounds too good to be true, right? It sounds like a sales pitch. It sounds like a promotional. Everything you want, you can have. Well, everything we need. Everything we need. And if you're here today, you're going, uh, yeah, but, right? There's lack in my life. Let's just admit it. There's weekdays. Last week, you could have had a bad day or you could have had a bad week. Now, how many of us know what we want, though, is not everything we, we should have <laughs> or what we need? It, it, you might have did this as a kid. Your kids have done this. Say, you know, can I have ice cream? Okay, well, we're having dinner now. That's going to spoil your appetite, okay? Uh, we're choosing, choosing things we want, we think we need. And we can pick on our kids for doing that. But there's certain things that we can go after to, to buy this item or to, to get this device or this something new. Whatever is the new, fill it in. You're going to say, I, I need it. Uh, you probably just want it. I, I've gone to Costco and pulled in the parking lot. And I had, you know, some basic things I knew I needed to go in that I know I needed, right? It's, usually it's food. I go in though. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, I discover what I truly need by walking in that main aisle. Like, I think I actually need that air compressor. I'm like, I don't need that. What do I need? But all of a sudden, I need it. And we do that in our life. And in our, in our, we think about what we think we need actually is very different than what God says we need. And I would say it this way. We have everything we need to satisfy everything we want. In our in our walk with God. We need to understand what the promise is this. We have everything we need to satisfy everything that we want. I don't know if you agree with me on that statement. I think in, in, in some part we do, but deep down, like, do we, do we have everything? And I think it comes down to really one word and that is trust. Do we trust God that he really has given us and has provided everything that we need to live, not just a life, but the promises, a godly life, a godly life, a life that is fully committed and fully surrendered to his will. See, when you think of the word trust, you get faith, the same, this is the same word, they're synonymous, is that trust is putting your full weight of your, your life into someone else's hands. And, and, that, and we would put it in God's hands. When you came in and you sat in your chair, I doubt there's anybody here that could go, well, this chair hold me up. You just, you trusted completely the chair would hold you up. Unless you weigh a thousand pounds or something. You, you really, you, that's obvious thing. But in life sometimes, are, are we placing our entire life on the weight of our lives in the hands of God. That's what trust is all about. Do I trust God that he's given me everything that I need beyond just what I truly want? Some of you would say, well, I've done that. I've put my life in God's hands. I've given my life to Christ. And yet I feel like there's some lack in my life. I want to tell you, that's okay. That's okay to admit that. But it's connecting together and understanding that why that is, is it possible we have not tapped in to God's power completely? See, Christ on the cross gave through what he proclaimed and did the finished work of the cross. He said, it is finished. Christ completed the greatest work ever to be completed. And that the greatest work is to abolish sin completely. 
He liberated sin so we can have this new resurrected life that's filled with power. And here's the thing. It's good to be reminded that that power, not only did Christ save our soul, but that resurrected life is available for us every single day of our lives. And that is, it's practical and it's useful and it contains the essentials for us to carry what we need and to send the road, the trail of life. And Peter here tells us everything we need to live a godly life. It's what we have, not just to survive, but to make that summit. But as we go a little bit further, Peter lays out some essentials that go with that to build the base of where we're at and what to put in our backpack. And like, he's given us everything we need, that God has given us everything we need. But Peter makes a point of something. You have to apply it to your life. You can have everything you need on a shelf, but you're not using it until you take it in and put it in your life. And I want to talk about what Peter lays out for us here in a moment, but I want to give some context before we do. And that is the life of Peter. You understand what Peter says He's living out and he's experiencing. And when you study the Bible, you want to make sure you read in context. We don't want to just read one verse and kind of pluck it out and say, okay, that's that's what it means. You need to look at the surrounding verses around. You need to even look at the author. And Peter, as many of you know, was one of the closest disciples of Jesus when Jesus was on this earth. And Peter, Peter followed closely, but Peter was filled with many flaws. I mean, he, he really fumbled and bumbled along the way. And yet, we got to admire the guy for trying, don't we? I mean, you got to admire the guy that says, hey, Jesus is out in the water. I'm going to go walk out there on the water with him, okay? You got to imagine the boldness of that and, and the courage to do that. And of course, you know, he, he, he had his moment where he was looking at the huge waves, kind of like today, and the white caps of the water, and he goes, oh, he freaks out, and he begins to sink. I mean, he had his doubts at times of Jesus. And in times that Peter would say the wrong thing. He, he would, you know, say something credible. And then the next thing, P- Jesus has to rebuke him. He says, hey, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't know if you've ever said that to your kids or any time when they, you know, mouthed off or anything. That's pretty harsh, okay? But he, that, that Peter wasn't always saying the right thing. And especially wasn't doing the right thing. When Jesus was getting arrested, he, he, Peter pulled out his sword and swiped the, the Roman soldier's ear off. And then Jesus had to, you know, pray and put it back, put it back on. When, when, when Jesus was at, when the last supper, when he was saying, hey, all of you are going to betray me. You're all of you going to walk away from me. And, and Peter's like, no way. I've never, he swore to Jesus. I would never, ever do that. Well, just a few hours later, he swore in a bad way. He, 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 they asked him, aren't you one of the disciples? He goes, blank, blank. I don't even know who you're talking about. He's a deserter. He's a doubter. He's reactionary. He says the wrong things. He does the wrong things. And yet, after Christ's resurrection, what happened? Jesus meets with him and has breakfast with him and says, Peter, come over here. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Three times, three times he denied him. Of course I love you. Then feed my sheep. And that's what Peter does. Peter is called here and his man of many shortcomings and flaws becomes one of the greatest early church leaders. And at the end of his life, He writes these letters to the persecuted church that's going under immense, immense torture. And people are trying to squash Christianity. And he goes on and he says, 
this. After he says, you know, God has given us divine power and everything you need for, for a godly life and knowledge. All oh, he's called us his own glory and goodness. And then he makes this amazing statement in verse 4. He says, through these, he has given us. What are the these? The glory and the goodness, which we'll talk about. Precious, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and have escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. Reading that, we again, what are the these? The these have to do with this glory and goodness. And the word glory is the word in Greek is doxa, which means greatness. That's God's best. His divine power is also given his, uh, his goodness, which goodness is also means is excellence. So it's, what is Peter saying is that God has given us not as half-baked, secondhand, gently used, even pre-owned anything. He's given us his excellent best. And how did he embody his excellent best? In his own son. If you want to know if God has given us or wants to give us his best, he's given us his everything. His very own son, the, the best that we could have through his death and resurrection, his very spirit. Think about this. His best is in us. His very Holy Spirit as a believer is dwelt in us. What has he given you? Everything you need to satisfy everything you truly want. Now we could stop there and go, that's great. We could we could wrap this up. We could bring cool up and close in service and we would be done early and that would be an incredible miracle, wouldn't it? We could have our lunch. It'd be awesome. But I don't want to stop there because there's a little bit more because there's, there's a, there, if we miss what Peter says next, we're missing out on what the very best and the greatest that God has for us. What we got to do is take it off the shelf and we got to practice it. And he does this in verse 5. He says this, for this very reason, what's the very reason? The very reason all that God's given us, that, that he, we can actually now apply it to put it in life's backpack, to put it in our lives. He says this, make every effort to add to your faith. What is faith? Trust, your very trusting God, goodness into goodness, Knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now, what will happen when we do that? He says this, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask have you felt lately, or have you felt one time, ineffective and unproductive? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you had that week. You're really, really trying, and you fell on your face. I know for me this last week, there was a situation that happened. It wasn't like moral, any, you know, I did something really bad, like super like bad, but I messed up. I should have done something. And in fact, it wasn't the first time. It was the third time. And I tell you, there was a reprimand and there was also the consequences of not only being feeling ineffective and unproductive, but I lost some credibility with some people just because of all that happened. Listen, we're making mistakes. We can beat ourselves up, but the reality is I don't, I think we need to realize what God, God's word is telling us. The opposite is true that we really do need to understand that God desires for us to be effective and to be productive with our life. Not just to survive, but to make it to the summit. 
to have those summit experiences of the destinations and goals and achievements. There's nothing wrong with that, especially what God puts in us. He puts desires and dreams and hopes and goals. It's nothing wrong with that if they're, if they're not just for us, but, but they're for what his king and what he wants to accomplish. And he says this by, by making every effort. Add to your faith. Faith is, and if you can go with me on this, it's kind of like this backpack. It's what we have. It's what we possess is our faith, our trust in God that he's given us everything to make make the effort. So he's done all, all his part. He's given us everything. Now we have a work that we have to do to make every effort, to take what it is and apply it to our life. Now, when you read Peter's description here, this qualities almost sounds like a recipe, doesn't it? Hey, add to your faith a, a little bit of perseverance and a teaspoon of, you know, goodness and, you know, throw in a little bit of brother, you know, mutual affection and, and you know, in three cups, full cups of self-control, okay? You're going to need that. It's not our ingredients. It's actually packing instructions that he gives us. And he does it in such a way, they're strategic, that one is built on the other. It's not just taking it all in our life but applying it the right way. And Peter gives some instruction for us to do this. So I want to talk about, you can take these notes of essentials for effective and productive living. Essentials for effective and productive living. So again, kind of picture with me, this is the stuff that you need to put in your backpack of faith. And he lays it out strategically. It's not just the right stuff to put in. There's an order in which he really calls us to do that. And there's four categories. I'm going to list them really quickly, and then we're going to go through each one of them. It's who we are, what we do, what we, uh, I'm sorry, who we are, what, what we know, what we do, and how we do it. The first is this, and he's, Peter insists that genuine faith should be expressed in this decisive way. He says this, who we are is shown in our goodness. Who we are is shown in our goodness. Now, the word goodness here doesn't mean being nice. It means more than that. It means having of of good character, of integrity. Someone says integrity is who you are when no one's looking. And that's so true. Who you really are when no one's looking. When no one's looking at what you're clicking at or looking at or, or thinking or doing or, you know, what you're doing by yourself, it really does matter. But it does matter also what you do with others that know you as well. And especially this, and, I, and, and I've heard someone say success is, is, what is, is, is those who know you best respect you most. Those who, who know you best respect you most. That's where integrity comes in. That you're the same way and you're the same person throughout all of your life, not just in certain sections of your life. A few months ago, my son gave me, I think, probably one of the best compliments I ever had in my life, especially coming from my son, who, who really does know me best. If anybody knows you best, it's your own family, right? And the, on the, not on the on times, on the off times. And someone came up to him and said, hey, what's your dad really like? You know, like at home, what's he really like? And, he, and, and, and Grant said this, he says, uh, and this is great 18-year-old guy response, same, I got no dirt on him. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good. I mean, if anybody knows, like, I fooled everybody, right? No, I can't, you can't fool your family. You can't fool your family. I'm, I'm not bragging about myself. I'm just saying integrity goes with it. And I make tons and tons and tons of mistakes. But what I've learned, and maybe as you learned too, is that what, what Peter says, add to your life goodness. That's your character. You got to start there. That's a foundation before you pack anything else. He goes on, he says this, and, and, and really kind of another essential category to hike is this, what we know or think is revealed in our knowledge. Is revealed in our knowledge. You've heard that knowledge is power. What impoverished countries need, that need, they don't just need food, they need to learn how to farm. 
Education, it brings freedom. When our kids are younger, we, you know, we told them that readers are leaders. And it's not just reading the book. You can be book smart, but it's actually reading people. Understanding people. Understand where they're coming from. And not only just being smart in the head, but, but growing a big heart. And that's growing as a disciple of Jesus. Peter tells us a few chapters later in his letter, he says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do we grow? How do we truly grow? Well, it's so obvious, isn't it? We grow, yeah, in our struggles and our pain, and we grow from that, but we need a context. We need, a, we, need a, we need something that's beyond our own experiences to grow, and it's right here. It's right here. It's so obvious, and we, we miss it. In fact, you, you see this over and over. There was a study done where people, they talked about this. It's called the state of the Bible. Back a few years ago, Barna did this, and they surveyed over 2,000 people, and they interviewed these people, and asked, they, they kind of asked their you know, interaction with the Bible, and they found this, that 88% of respondents say they own a Bible. 61% wish they read the Bible more. 26% people read it more than four times a week. And then I thought this was interesting as it was relating the question. They said 77% believe that, the, that America is in moral decay. And then I thought, it's interesting, it says this, then 33% believe morality will decline, uh, morality is decline because people lack reading the Bible. <laughs> interesting, huh? Well, is it because they don't have a Bible? No, the average household has four Bibles. So it's not about accessibility. We got two or everything. We got four of everything. We, here, here, everything we need, why, what are we lacking? Because we're not going after what God really wants us to have. And we're, we're in want. I think the irony of it is interesting. Doug, Doug Birdsell, the, the president of American Bible Society, says this, kind of the reason, why is this the case? He says, I see the problem as like obesity in America. We have an awful lot of people who realize they're overweight, but they don't follow a diet. People realize the Bible has values that will help them in their spiritual walk, but they just don't read it. It's right here. The knowledge, it's not smart brains, but it's growing big hearts. And it's making effort. Are you growing in the knowledge of God? Because the key to that is experience. If you want to experience his glory and goodness, it's found right here. How are you going to grow this week? Grow daily, you're going to die gradually. Another effective Essential and, and productive, effective living is this. Another key is what we do is demonstrated in our self-control. It's demonstrated in our self-control. Now, some of you say, well, it's, it should be what we don't do is demonstrated in self-control. And that's true. But how many know there's many times it takes a lot of proactive effort not to do something. <laughs> it takes action not to do something, to resist. It takes a lot of uh, straining sometimes and a lot of effort that goes with it. Because it's this, that passivity, it can lead to apathy. And when we, get our, when we get apathetic, apathy is what? I don't care anymore. Who cares? We let our guard down. And man, then we get, don't we, in life? We don't see it coming. And Peter tells us this in his first letter. I love it. The message says this, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce. And we like nothing better than catch you napping. Keep your guard up. 
And how do we do that? It's tapping into God's divine power, everything. He's given us everything of what we need for spiritual warfare. He's given us everything we need to fight the battle that we're needing to fight. And I tell you, the real battle is not right here. The real battle is out there. The real battle is the unseen war that goes on for our very soul and the souls of the people around us. And the fight, the spiritual fight is happening. And how we're going to do that is to guard ourselves and prepare ourselves for battle. And it goes by tapping in to this divine power that he's given us. Well, final essential to pack, all these are getting your packing instructions. What you need to put in is this, how we do it is expressed in our attitude that includes perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Zig Ziglar is the one that says attitude, the attitude, your attitude will determine your altitude. How high you go has everything to do with how positive you're going to be. Now, I'm not here to go, oh, everything, everything is, you know, fine and happy and everything is awesome. You know, everything is great. I'm no big deal. But it, 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 it's not acting phony. Life happens. This world filled with tragedy again. It's not that we go, oh, and we bury our head in the sand. There's not a problem. No, problems, you can't do that any longer. But how we approach it, how we approach it, it's through having perseverance. And perseverance says, man, I'm going to stick in this you know, come hell, come hide, or I'm going to get through this, whatever it is, and whatever it can't, whatever it takes. It's pushing forward in the trail without losing footing. And there's times we're going to slide back. There's times that we're going to get off track. It's getting back on. And, and Paul tells us this, do not become weary in doing good. For proper time, you will reap a harvest. You don't give up. Don't give up. It's worth the fight. It's worth the battle to keep going, to keep ascending the hill. But pack, what you pack is so important. Another area to pack is godliness. Now, godliness is an interesting word. It actually means being kind-hearted. It means being filled with compassion. It would have not have motivated Brandon, who was way beyond the trail. We're always waiting for him to go, Brandon, you suck. You, need to, you just need to go back to the, the van and wait for us. No, what do we need to do? We need to help Brandon out. Brandon just didn't know how to pack. He, did, he just wasn't ready. He needs some, some assistance along the way. He needed some encouragement. He needs some people to help him take the part of his load. And what that, what that is, is it's called mutual affection. It's another word for that is brotherly love. We get the word phileo, which means brotherly love in Greek. It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. It's when we give the high fives and the bear hugs and, and, and the times and the pats on the back to keep going. The Bible says over and over to love one another, carry each other's burdens, pray for one another, help each other out along the way. And, and so all this, each of these are strategically packed for us to, to take the trail in life. Each of these are important. And yet Paul finishes the last thing to make sure you have room in your backpack for this last thing. You could call it the quintessential and it always is this, it's love. It's to have the attitude of love, not the phileo brotherly kind of love, like, hey, way to go. It's agape love. And agape love is this, it's love with no strings attached. To love people when they don't love you back. To love people even when they've rejected you or rejected God, I'm going to still love them. I'm going to still care for them. It's the it's what we need to make our, sure our lives are essential. It's love. Love, Bible says, never fails. It never fails. If we don't have love, we have nothing. If you do not have love in your backpack of life, it all goes away. It all doesn't matter. So all these essentials are so important, aren't they? 
All these things. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the power of this, the Bible says, Peter says, make every effort. But it's not all our effort. It's the fact that God has done everything already for us. But we have to apply it. We have to put it on. We have to take it with us. It's what we need to do to prepare for it. Church, we've got to stop being passive. We need to be active with our faith. We need to take what God's given us and apply it. You don't need anything else out there. You have it all here. You have it all here. You have it all here. He has given you everything you need. And yet we can find ourselves in lack, can't we? In many real ways in our life. I'd like our team to come. And as we go to prayer, this last question is this. Do you have everything you have all that you want yet lack what you really need? Are you here today and despite the excess you have in your life, despite everything you really, really could have, I mean, you have it, right? I mean, think about it. For most of us here, if we really wanted something, we could get it. We might have actually the money to, 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 to buy it today. We actually might even if we don't have it, we have a credit card that we could put it on and pay for it later. We have everything we want. But why are we lacking? Because we're pursuing everything we want, not everything that God has for us that we really, truly need. Because when we get everything he wants us to have, we won't have those wants anymore. The, the deep desires are our very soul. Why? Because Christ is enough for me. and is enough for you. Everything else Everything else is a footnote in life. Everything else is side. In fact, the excess that we have can, can affect it so much. So I encourage you today, as you take some time, God, what is it that I'm lacking in my life? I doubt it's anything that's possession-wise. Some of you go, well, you don't know. I realize, you know, I get that. You might need a job. You might... You might need a, a bill that needs to be paid. I, I get the physical side of things. And, and not, those are important. And we want to pray for those areas. I'm not going to negate that today. And in fact, after the service, you've got an area in need uh, beyond just uh, surface type stuff. You've you got needs. Maybe you've, you've got a, a, a need for healing in your life. You're, there's illness. You've got people around you. Those are legitimate needs. But we need to recognize that God has given us everything we need because of the, the finished work of the cross. Everything was completed for us. It's what we do with it that matters. Are we going to live out his glory and his goodness in our life that we have? It's our, it's our knowledge. And knowledge, you know what? It doesn't come from knowing God. It comes from knowing God here in a relationship with him. But here's the thing I want to throw you a little bit. Is all that we have and all that we get and all that God gives us, you know what we're really called to do at the end of the day? Lay it at his feet. To lay it down at his feet and say, Jesus, all I need is you. All I need is you and you've given me everything I need, but I lay it back at your feet. I give you my life. And if you have not given your life to Christ, do that today, God. I lay my life at the foot of your cross. That you already paid the price. You've already saved my soul. You completed the work. But now, Lord, I, I lay my, down, my life down once again. What do you need to lay down today? Jesus says, come to me, all your burden and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. Everything we need to, is to satisfy everything we could ever want.
impact in our life. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, it, it always comes down, down to trust. It always comes back to faith. That do we trust you with everything? With everything, Lord. That we would, that, that everything about who we are, our very lives, that we would place in your hands. That we put the complete weight of our lives and rest it upon you and your promises. And the reason we can do that is you've already proven yourself to fulfill your promises into the greatest way you've done on the cross. You completed the work. You've given everything we need. And now through your spirit, it is to empower us through your divine power to meet the needs that we have. And yet, Lord, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to, prepare, to pray for the needs that are here in this room today. Lord, I lift every marriage to you. God, I lift every job situation to you. I lift every financial burden to you. Lord, I lift every health issue to you. Lord, I lift every emotional struggle that goes on, the area of depression, the, the area of addiction, Lord. All these needs, Lord, are real legitimate needs. And Lord, we pray that we would tap into your power, tap into your strength and what you can provide for us to meet those needs. Lord, others are areas are not even mentioned today. Lord, you know our need before we even understand what the need is. But yet, God, you have given us everything. You've given us your spirit to help us through, not only to survive and make it through another day, but Lord, you've given us dreams, hopes, goals to accomplish that you want to see fulfilled, to fulfill your kingdom and your purposes, not our own. And so, Lord, we want to tap into your power. We want to keep dreaming those dreams. We want to keep moving toward the summit. Lord, you, you, the, the, the view at the summit is so much greater and so much more magnificent when, when we recognize how much the struggle was, Lord. And when we have those moments and have that place, God, that we can rejoice in you and who you are and what you accomplished, Lord. And that we can thank you and that we can praise you for what you have accomplished and Lord, what you're yet, you yet want to do in and through our life and all that you provided for, Lord. God, I pray that we would take our, our backpack with us, Lord. We take all these qualities, all these essentials, Lord. We make every effort, Lord. We know at the end, our effort's not enough. It's your spirit in us and us relying upon you every step of the way. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.